You're listening to the Gunslinger Podcast, a production of Flying Tom Studios. And now here's your hosts, the Apostle and Green River. Yay! Cheer, everybody! Cheer! Why not? It's the only time I can ever convince people to actually do it. But sometimes they do anyway. You don't deserve it now, and you don't deserve it any other time, quite frankly. Never have, but... That's why you you don't get it. I I don't turn it down. That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, Episode number nine uh, that we are recording right now. We appreciate you being here. Uh, We are recording live in the Maiden Hall of Greatness here in McHenry, where we we always are. We always record live. Yeah. Well, we record live, and then we play it. It, It's like serving... Okay, never, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to go down that road. It's, we're going to go down a bad area. We're going to start talking about yeah. time travel here in yeah, a minute, aren't okay. we? <laughs> yeah. What rules are we using here? I'm trying to look up something at the same time. I'm being unprofessional. Great Scott! W- yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, what was it, 85 miles? Who cares? Uh, it was a DeLorean, an AMC car. Come on. Uh. So, in the studio with us already, early in the episode... My good friend, brother from Arkansas, Jackass Giles. Sir, how are you today? Jackass. Doing great, and I'm in Kentucky. Absolutely. Absolutely thrilled to have you here today. Uh, Giles and the family are in town today. Uh, we Today we shot day one of the, um, the Bluegrass Fast Draw Outlaw shoot. Okay. And I was taking some ribbing just a few minutes ago from these folks because I've said uh, at least 40 times over the last three episodes that this month marks my eight-year anniversary in Fast Draw. Well, today is that actual anniversary. Eight years. Eight years in Fast Draw. Yep. So my my first time ever was at the uh, the Outlaw shoot. Oh, my. Oh, you you dang <laughs> right, George DeKai. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention he was here. But anyway, they... Uh, Eight years uh, today, you know, we we got to shoot this match, and the outlaw shoot is still going strong. Giles and them come in today to shoot it with us. Giles, you've been in the sport seven years now. Seven years this seven month. Seven years. So you started. I think you started in February as well. I did. Yeah, a year, a year after you. Yeah, it was. I was actually at your. It was in Arkansas. It was at your first match at the uh, the the Randolph County Rangers, which you are now the uh, you're the you're the head man for the Randolph County Rangers. That's what I've been told. That's yeah. That's <laughs> th- those were the orders you were given by higher ups uh, that you're in charge. I uh, trust me. I know how that works. Uh, tell us a little bit about the upcoming. Arkansas State Championship for the first. I got the dates pulled up. That's what I was pulling up here. So on the uh, let's that's, see, that's soon, right? Couple of weeks. March eighth yeah. and ninth for yep. the Arkansas State Championship. That's correct. And March tenth and eleventh for the Southern Territorial. Yes, sir. It's uh, it's going to be Arkansas's first CFDA state match, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And of course, everybody knows Diamondback Billy. Oh, yeah. And I'll give him credit 100% for the Randolph County Rangers. Um, he's he's formed a good club. That's where I started. Billy got me into this. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without Billy. And uh, with that being said, I, I took over the Randolph County Rangers at his request uh, January 1 of this year. And now we're having the first Arkansas State shoot. And I welcome everybody that shoots CFDA to come to it. Uh, Billy will be there in person signing autographs and taking pictures. So Yeah, for, and, for ten dollars. He'll for, you oh, can take yeah, a picture yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah. Just give me that ten dollars. I'll be there. Nice. So, uh, absolutely I'm, it is. Well, I'm I'm officially his manager, so I get fifty percent. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Motown, you know? Almost. Sounds yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Barry Gordy, for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh today we shoot the outlaw shoot in uh in Kentucky and so those of you that have traveled around, and especially, you know, and I guess every organization has their standard matches. They have, especially your your sanctioned matches. Let's 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 talk sanctioned matches for a minute. So a cowboy fast draw sanctioned match 
however it's designed, it has to be an elimination. It has to, you know, there's certain certain standard, standards that have to be fallen. But for me, some of the funnest matches you can ever go to are ones like that we did today that are very unique, very different than the norm. And so the outlaw shoot in Kentucky that we did today, this is a CFDA match, by the way. So we're shooting 15 feet, 17 inch targets. Uh, we had 39 people today, which was a lot smaller crowd than I was expecting, but is a tremendous crowd compared to maybe what some of you see out there. For us, that's pretty good. Uh, we're alive and well here in the East, that's for sure. Uh, we, I think we had six different states of people here today to come in and, and shoot this. So thank, uh, thanks, everybody, for your attendance. A lot of these events are, you know, men division, women division, and youth division. And today we kind of threw that out the window and men, women, youth all shoot together. And, and we only do it for this match. We, we typically, we divide for every other match that we do. But this particular one, we do it for a certain reason. And the reason being is at the end of the match, the top 10 people, actually the top 13 people left in the match have to be kind of pulled aside. And we, we, award, uh, we award plaques down to 10th place today. And the first 10 people get a draw out of the money bag. Now, the idea of the outlaw shoot was that it's based on the idea of, of a gang robs a stagecoach. You don't know what's technically on that stagecoach till you've shot the people and blew the lock apart and you get to see inside the lockbox. So you win the match, you, you, you do well in the match, or you just barely scrape your way into a plaque. doesn't matter. You get a draw. Just because you won the match, which I did, doesn't mean you get the top money, which I didn't. So I reached in the last year. I, I don't remember what I placed, but I, I got a fake note this year. I at least got a little cash, but I didn't get anywhere near the top cash. And, uh, uh Dalton, your son got the top money today. Yep. I can't, I can't remember what he was placed, but he got the top money today. Ricochet Rebid was six plate place. And he, I think he won like $45. Yeah. So he got, he got the top draw out of the bag. Yep. So what, what we did is we had this bag full of 13 envelopes. Ten of these envelopes had a little cash in it. Uh, not like mortgage money, but, you know, fun money anyway. A gas tank worth of money. And three of these envelopes had fake money in them, uh, like with pictures of officers from the Bluegrass Fast Draw. I believe that's what you got, I if I'm correct. I, I believe you're right. Yeah, you can try to spin that on your way home. And if they somebody takes it, I'd let them have it. Fully redeemable at the Bluegrass Fast Draw gift shop. Absolutely. I'll uh, be sure to get out of Kentucky before I attempt it. I, well, <laughs> you might be better off trying it here, truthfully. <laughs> but it it, it kind of put a fun spin on showing up and shooting a target. Exactly. And I think we are way too often forgetting in Fast Draw culture that this is supposed to be fun. Uh, our goal at the, the gunslinger podcast is to put the fun back in fast draw. Well, it never left. It's always been fun. Uh, let's all get on Facebook and look around for a while. Well, uh, it's I mean, not I, quite as fun as it used to be. As you know, uh, I mean, it's with anything. Uh, if you do something every month, the same shoot, same shoot, people's going to get bored. I, I agree with what y'all are doing here. And I have came here for several years and shot this, this match this weekend and i love it because it's a it's a change yeah uh you don't have to do it every month but i, I say about once every three or four months you need to mix it up a little bit absolutely and i'm planning on doing that with the uh randolph county rangers just a little bit just you know something. something that we started just in our monthly matches and in our in our monthly matches we do we have a women's division we have a men's division we have a youth division when we have youth uh that those numbers kind of fluctuate we do have some right now and we we when I when I got into Cowboy Fast Draw back in fifteen, we shot every eight years ago today. Eight years ago today, yeah, that gonna, we've heard how many times. I'm going to wear exactly. you out with this crap. Hey, I, listen, Hail should we the king. should we not be pushing for federal holiday status? I'm just you know let, let us know your feedback. Should this be a national? Now that is not the discussion topic this week. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that yeah. later. Anyway, so. When I got into it back in 15, we shot every monthly match in Bluegrass. We shot a 4X match. Uh, we, just 4X elimination. No finals. It just, we shoot down to the last person. 
when I when I got into it, we actually we still all shot together, and then as the club grew more and more, we 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 created a women's division, and but we shot that for several years, and then after several years, we we got bored with it, uh, and a lot of us had traveled, a lot of us had had started going to sanctioned events and things like that, and we'd seen the Mag Sevens run. Uh, I think the first time I, I shot a Mag Seven in a club match, it was in Georgia. Uh, the Hickory Flat Shooter Society, who are also well represented up here today. Uh, uh, Steelman was running the club at the time, and they did a Mag 7 in a club match, and I thought, well, that's really fun. We could do that at our club match. It would kind of help us prepare for our own matches and things. So I think that club year, we voted to start doing a six-round no-X out, and we did a Mag 7 every month. We did that sort of thing every month for several years, and... Just like the 4X, it got stale. So I took over the club in whenever it was. And we we as a club got together and discussed, and, and I created the idea of the fishbowl format. So the fishbowl format was literally, we wrote down every kind of format we could think of uh, in any, in, you know, some of them, sometimes it'd be a 4X. Sometimes it'd be a 4X and a, in a bracket, uh, sometimes it'd be a, a, a you know six round, just count the X's, six round, then do a mag seven. We just wrote down every, you know, we'd do a Nevada eight something, you know, we'd, we'd add it to a format. We wrote down absolutely everything we could think of, threw them all, tore them up into little pieces, dumped them in a fishbowl, and we would literally, before, right before the match, reach in, randomly draw one out and say, all right, this is what we're doing today. And we're still doing that to this day, and I think that has worked the best of everything we have ever done for a few reasons. For one, it keeps it fresh. It, it absolutely keeps it fresh. Uh, you, you don't know, you know you're going to be shooting at a 17-inch target 15 feet away. It's a change in, not really in how around the, the contest operates, but it's not a change in the rules. It's not a change in your, your draw or what you're shooting at or what you're shooting. It, it, all that remains the same. So it doesn't mess with you. Exactly. It's just, it's just a bit of a format change. Exactly. Yeah. And well, and what that also, what we also discover is formats like yeah, typically in Arkansas, a lot of times we do that. The six rounds count the X's at the end. Exactly. And that's a very difficult format for non-accurate shooters. Uh, you, you go up there and you flop one round and you might be out for the day as far as first first place. That's right. That's I right. mean, you've got to be on your game the whole time. You can't give any up. Whereas a 4X, like we shot today, you know, I gave up three Xs before I finally found my target and got on was able to shoot. Other formats would not, that format would not, uh, you know, six rounds of count your Xs would not have been near as forgiving. I would think eight years today that you would be a little bit more accurate after having shot all this time. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> Uh, you would think, and you would be wrong. Apparently so. Uh, I did win the match. Well, I'm just throwing that out there, though. Yeah. Uh, by the skin of my teeth, because some people shot very well today. And and I will say it was an awesome match. What you did, what I, you pulled it, off, it was. It was. It was. It was see. certainly a great match. It was. It was. I wish you could have been here. So you, and I'm talking you rode all three of X's to the win. Huh? I rode three X's That's for quite good. a while. I so could, I couldn't have pulled that one off. That's pretty good. That puts a lot of pressure on you right at the end. Well, and you it gotta, does. Yeah. It does. But honestly, it, it goes back to that, that fishbowl format. I've, I have had to work on my practice regiment, keeping myself flexible to, to, to not be able to rely on a format working in my favor. Mm. So I have to keep myself balanced in speed versus accuracy versus mental toughness. And God, we're not going down that road tonight. Uh but we're uh, out of curiosity for you, the listener, for you, the, the people chiming in and start chiming in because there's not near enough discussion these days. Uh, I know you've got your phone in your hand and you got your little thumbs doing what you're doing with them. Type something out and talk to us, people. Come on. You're, you're being lazy. You know, one of the things I want to tr- get back in our club, and you probably remember this, um, we used to put a, a card playing table at 12 feet and have two shooters it takes it's time consuming so you have to be careful if you got a whole lot of shooters you really don't probably need to do that format but if it's got 12 or 14 shooters your club on a saturday um you know you get on the card table you put cards in your hand light goes off you have to shoot two targets and hit them 
to, uh, to win. And I just anything like that to change it up, I think, will make it more interesting. And people, I know when we did it at the Randolph County Rangers, they loved it. And uh, I think Billy came up with this idea from somewhere. And uh, even the idea, like at our Christmas shoot, uh, Billy will put, uh, or did, put a uh, piece of paper on top of the target with a reindeer on it. And if you hit that reindeer on a foot anywhere on the body, you get a dollar. Yeah. And I mean, just change things. I mean, you're still hitting a 17 inch target. You're just adding another target to it. Right. And when you hit that target, you're rewarded. Yes. And uh, I mean, just anything to change up a little bit and keep it where it stays uh, interesting to do, I think is one of the things every club ought to do. Well, this isn't something that's exclusive to the sport of fast draw. I mean, I, I love steak. And I would like to think I could eat steak every day for the rest of my life. Amen to that. And love it. And my life probably wouldn't be long if I did that. Yeah, but, but who cares? But, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I have to confess at some point, I'm going to get sick of chewing on that cow meat. I just am. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't think I would be, but I'm pretty sure I the would. The day will come, you're going to want a piece of chicken. Very likely. Yeah. Very exactly. likely. So, I mean, it's, 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 again, it's not exclusive to fast draw. Everything needs to shake up every it once needs, in a while. Everything needs a little variety. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's uh, just like your, I mean, it's like anybody's job. And, you know, of course, everybody in, in fast draw knows I crop dust in Arkansas. And they go, wow, man, that must be a great job. It must be fun. It is the first thirty minutes of the morning and the last thirty minutes of the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's every job. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it gets old. Yeah, it does look fun <laughs> from the ground. Nick but. does some crop dusting too, but it's a little different. Well, uh, I generally do I it as I'm walking. Yeah, I, I've done a little since we've started recording, so uh, enjoy. But yeah, it's I and I, I think that's the the grand the grand idea that we're discussing today is format. Little changes in the format. What do you what are you doing in your home ranges? or with specialty shoots to, to mix it up a little bit, uh, to not only add a little extra flavor to the, to the steak, but to increase your skill level. Right. Uh, Throw out some suggestions because there may be something that one club's doing that another club goes, Hey, that's an awesome idea. We've never thought about that. So everybody throw out some suggestions of different things you do. I think it'd be, Beneficial to everybody. I think it'd be great. Folks, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, our most requested guest of all time since we started this like two months ago. Ladies and gentlemen, in the studio here with us today, Bob Argenbright, Jay Hawker. Welcome, sir, to my home. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, folks, we generally have to do these interviews over the telephone, but we, a sneaky folk here in Kentucky had a nice match today, and we, we lured him down here, so I lured him over to the house, and we've got him in person. So thanks for being here, sir. We appreciate you. Uh, is, you know, we'll kind of start this off as we generally do. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Tell us a little bit about life. Just you know, when, you're not a, when you're not a gunslinger, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I just turned 80. That means I was a World War II baby. Nice. Uh, I uh, went to college, have a degree, and right out of college, I went to work for a Defense Department agency, worked there for 35 years, retired and went back as a contractor and did another 10 years. Uh uh, I'm a father and a husband, been married to the same beautiful lady for 55 years. Uh, I'm a custom leather worker. Uh, I do a little bit of professional writing. Uh, I self-published the only book ever written on the sport of fast draw. Nice. Titled The Fastest Guns, and that's plural alive and i had a thousand copies published sold them all very quickly and haven't had any for 30 years (laughs) and interestingly i saw one sell on ebay for 200 and some dollars and i sold them originally for six dollars and fifty cents wow 
Uh, for the record and for the listeners, uh, if anyone has one, I'll give you $200 for one. Uh, no, no questions asked. Just let me know. So that's phenomenal. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I knew you did this sort of thing, but I was, I was flipping through guns of the old West, the magazine the other day. And, and, uh, there was a cowboy fast draw article in it and I was, Oh wow, that's cool. And then I looked up and sure enough, you'd written it. Well, and uh, so I went back through all my older magazines and you'd had something in every single one of them. And I just hadn't caught it was you writing the articles. Yes, I originally did a holster column for combat handguns, and they're the same publisher. So when they decided to do a Western magazine, uh, actually a Western guns magazine, the editor said, Bob, don't you do Western? And I said, well, yeah, I've shot fast draw forever, and I shoot sass, so I've had something in every issue. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's only a quarterly, so that's only four articles a year. I wish they'd go monthly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do too, I because I greatly enjoy the magazine. So, well, tell us a little bit about how you got into this. Tell us a little bit about the beginnings of what would become a legendary career and then walk us through the years. All right. Well, uh being the age I am, I was a teenager in the 1950s. In, in the mid to late 50s, they came out with what they called adult TV westerns. And you, many of you watch Gunsmoke in reruns today. Gunsmoke was one of the first. And like always on TV, once there was a successful Western, there were only three networks, and you you watched your favorites because there was another Western opposite on the other two networks. So in order to attract viewers to their specific series, they started uh, emphasizing that their star was the fastest draw in Hollywood. And they purposely generated a great deal of interest in fast draw. And then some of the stars of the series in the off season, they'd send them out on tour and they'd do fast draw in their tours. And uh, then there was a man named D. Woolam. D's known as the father of fast draw. At the time, he was a stuntman at Knott's Ferry Farm in the uh, Los Angeles area. And it was a uh, uh, amusement park where part of it was an Old West town. And they had a train that would bring the tourists in and through the town. And he and several other stuntmen would rob the train. And so the train came through like every 20 minutes, and it'd take him five minutes to rob it. So he had a lot of downtime. He started practicing his fast draw just out of boredom. Now, in the Old West, the measure of gun speed was to be able to put a silver dollar on the back of your gun hand, hold it out waist high, let it fall as you draw, and fire a shot before it hit the ground. Nice. And that takes approximately a half a second self-start. So he started practicing, and before long, he could beat that. So then he thought, well, he could do better. Eventually, he could fire three shots before the coin hit the ground. Oh, wow. wow. Now, that's a bit of a trick. Yeah. And many of you out, it's, it's interesting to me, Cowboy fast draw, I love, and I wouldn't change it. But it it doesn't include things that we used to always do. When I started in fast draw, everybody did fancy gun handling. So one of the tricks, and D. Woolam originated this trick, a single-action revolver will fire three shots faster than any other handgun. The way that happens is you start with the hammer back. So you squeeze the trigger, the hammer drops. That's shot one. Then you fan the hammer with your off hand. 
but you hit the hammer spur with your thumb and with your little finger in one sweep. That's two shots. Literally, you'll you can only hear one one shot. You right. hear one shot, but the gun went bang three times. That's how he was able eventually to fire three shots before the coin hit the ground. Uh, and this is how Fast Draw got started. He was one day off by himself between trains uh, doing his Fast Draw, and there was a television film crew there to film something else, and they noticed him, so they filmed him. And that night it was on the news, and Knott's Berry Farm and the, the uh, uh, TV station was just swamped with phone calls, wanting to know who that guy was. He then started the first Fast Draw Club. D went on to, he turned pro. He was a professional Fast Draw exhibition shooter. He first toured for Great Western Firearms. Now, that's not the Great Western 2 that we see today in Cowboy Fast Draw. Right. Great Western Firearms made a duplicate to a Colt in the, starting in the mid-50s and went out of business when Colt brought the single action back. But he toured for them. Then he toured for Crossman uh, BB guns. And Crossman at the time made a CO2-powered BB gun that was the same size, weight, and balance as a Colt single action. Nice. They were actually marketed as fast rod training guns. Uh, the early timers, the electronic timers, stopped on the sound of the shot. Now, this is because the, the wooden case that the timer was in, and the timer was a clock face. If you have a 60-cycle motor, that means it cycles once a second. Right. You put a needle on the shaft, and that needle cycles once a second. Put 100 hash marks around it, now you're measuring hundredths of a second. The, the timer case would have a speaker in the outside surface of the case. The sound of the shot would stop the timer. If you stood close enough so that when this CO2 gun fired, if you were close enough to fire directly into that speaker without a BB, just the pulse of the CO2, it would stop the timer. So they could actually use them in competition. And then one of the most popular holsters at the time, D. Woolham made his own holsters. And... Tandy Leatherworks actually marketed the D. Woolen Fast Draw Rig. You could buy it for $29.95 as a completed belt or an holster, or for $5 for the holster and 8 for the belt, something like that. You could get it in a kit and assemble it yourself. Nice. It was one of the most popular rigs early in Fast Draw. Uh, let's see. Well, anyway, D went on, and he eventually he toured as the Daisy Kid for Daisy BB guns. And they produced a 16-millimeter short film of him doing his fast draw act that was released to theaters back when, before the main feature started, you had short subjects and cartoons and so at one time, you could go to the movie and you could watch this fast draw film. Nice. The good old days for sure there. Yes. Uh, well, that's, that's where we started. I think you wanted to know about some of the top guns. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, of course, D was number one. One of the people that many of you will know is our own sundowner. George Narasaki. When I started, and I, I shot my first fastball contest in 1961. Ironically, it was the world championship. <laughs> I was strictly an also ran. But 
George was shooting starting in the mid-50s. He shot through the 60s, and due to uh, running his own business, he dropped out of the sport. But while he was in, he was one of the top shooters in the sport. Now, one of the things, uh, when D started, and, and for several years, they only shot blanks. Right. And it was self-start. Uh, today, you know, the timer's activated with a button. Well, self-start, the shooter would hold the button down with their trigger finger. It's instant start. When you release the button, the timer starts. So the t uh, start button would be on an adjustable stand so they can adjust it to the height they need so it's right by their gun. They hold the button down. They release the button as they draw and fire a shot. Now, they're firing a blank only, and the judges had to uh, judge that the muzzle blast is approximately level right. for it to be a good shot. Uh, then it wasn't long till the fastest shooters learned to cheat. <laughs> sure. And I've, and I've heard some of these tales, yeah. You, you could cheat the timer, and you did that by what was called button rolling. And by button rolling, you, you depressed the button, and, and everyone was thumbing. So you're holding the button down, and you start your draw, and you're still holding the button down. Your hammer hits, your thumb hits the hammer, cocks the gun. You wrap your fingers around it, and you're still holding the button down. Right. Then you release the button and squeeze the trigger. Now, legitimately, this was all happening in a tenth of a second. Yeah. So the judge could not see it. Yeah. You just knew when the guy shot a two instead of a 12 that he cheated. Yeah. So somebody said, well, hey, that's easy. I'll start the timer and you react to a signal. And that's when we went to reaction shooting. Now the 12s were 32s or 30s because you added the shooter's reaction time. D. Woodland back then, he had the fastest single shot record of 12 hundredths of a second. And, and that was thumbing. Yeah. Now, uh, another top shooter whose name was uh, uh, Kurt Blakemore. Kurt decided that he could fan. Fanning, well, let me back up a second. They went from self-start to walk and draw level. And this uh, simulated the uh, movie version of a gunfight. Right. Two shooters started 100 feet apart from each other, facing each other on command, walked towards each other. There was a visual start signal halfway between them. On the signals of draw, they both drew and fired a shot. The uh, timer registered on the first shot, but it had a direction indicator so you knew if that first shot was from the shooter on the right or the shooter on the left. Again, you had three level judges for each shooter because the muzzle blast had to be level. Uh, so this was very difficult thumbing. Uh, not when you're walking, the hammer on that uh, single action six gun is wiggling back and forth as your leg moves. Uh, the holster's tied to your leg. Right. And so uh, there were an awful lot of half cocks, or as uh, we know them today, slip cocks. So uh, one guy said, let's see. Jack Sims was his name. And at the time, the uh, national championship was the walk and draw in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
Jack won the second one, Fanning. Now, this is what today we call ram fanning, which means he drew the gun, leveled it, and then fanned the hammer with his off hand. Then a man named Kurt Blakemore, who was a good thumber, said, you know, I think I can cock that gun with my left hand while it's still in the holster. That's called slapcock fanning. Yep. And you literally uh, shoot the gun with your strong hand as though you were thumbing, except you don't cock it. But you draw it, finger off the trigger, point it at the target, and squeeze the trigger. Your left hand sweeps through and cocks it. Both hands start at the same time, so the gun's cocked before it's ever out of the holster. And this was so much more consistent than thumbing because he never, ever half-cocked it. So everybody went to that. Then Kurt decided that there was still a faster way, and he developed what is known as the twist fan. Now, if you're right-handed, that means you grab the gun and you twist it uh, 90 degrees, let's see, clockwise. Okay. And again, you in this, in twisting, you squeeze the trigger with first hand contact. And you fan the hammer with your left hand as the gun's coming out of the holster. A perfect shot. The, the muzzle of the gun is lying right on the lip of the holster as it fires. Uh, the reason for the twisting it sideways is you have so much more motion of your wrist. If, if I have my hand in a normal vertical position, I can't level the gun right at the holster because my wrist will not bend enough. I have to bring my arm up. If I rotate my hand 90 degrees, now my hand has so much more wrist movement, I can get the gun muzzle level without raising my arm. Uh, Many of you know Ernie Hill. Yep. Ernie would teach people to twist fan by standing them against a door jam with their gun arm against the wall so their gun arm could not move. Now, all you did was grab the gun, you snapped your gun side hip violent forward and slapped the hammer, and it would be a good shot. If you moved your arm, you were losing time. Oh, let's see. Uh, well, somewhere in there, somebody. Well, there was a the the other shooting sports looked down on fast draw because we just made a loud noise. Right. We were called blank poppers. So somebody came up with the idea of wax bullets. And uh, so, again, uh, it, it was pretty much the West Coast shot blanks and the, and the Midwest shot wax. Uh, I mentioned my first world championship. It was an all-wax shoot. Uh, and the other, one of the major differences between the previous types of fast draw and cowboy fast draw Cowboy Fast Draw has one event and one target. I like that. The other forms of Fast Draw have many, many different events, different targets. You can shoot blanks, or you can shoot wax, or you can shoot both. And it's up to the contest hosts as to what events you'll shoot. Uh, Makes it much harder to become competitive because you never know what you're going to shoot. Right. Harder Uh, to prepare for that kind of event. Yes, it's very difficult. Although 
it it got to where most contests, most major contests, were what came to be known as the the four standard events. Now, cowboy fast draw, we shoot all elimination. This fast draw was what's called index. In index, an event is five shots that draw the gun, fire one shot five times. If you hit the target, you get the time. If you miss it, you get one second added to your total. Then just the lowest total wins. So the four standard events were standing reaction wax, which was at a silhouette target at 15 feet, and that target was 14 inches wide. It was a tough target. Walk and draw wax, where you uh, eventually they mounted the target on a uh, dolly so that when you walked, someone behind you pushed it so it remained at a constant 15 feet from you. Then there was standing reaction blanks, which you shot a black powder blank at a four-inch diameter balloon eight feet in front of you, and you had to break the balloon. And then walk and draw blanks, which is the same thing. You're shooting at a balloon, but you're walking. That was the four standard events. Uh, one of my claims to fame, before we went to digital timers, at the time that uh, we went to digitals, they retired all the records that were set on clock face timers. I had two records. Uh, the 15 foot standing reaction wax, I had the fastest shot, which was a 31. I also had a five shot total set in the same event the same day of 174. That's a 34 average. Nice. And I didn't have to back up the 31 because I had a shot in those five that automatically backed it up. That record was never beaten because it was retired when we went to digitals. People have sent, since beaten it on digital timers, but it was also set with shotgun primers, uh, which uh, Cowboy Fast Draw doesn't use them, but the World Fast Draw, it is legal to push your wax with a 22 black powder blank, and the travel time is considerably less. So... Uh, times got faster from the ammunition. So I'm quite proud of that record. Cause Absolutely. Should be. Yeah. I wish I could still move that fast today. Well, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can understand that. I don't, you know, you caught me with the, uh, the walking and, and somebody has to push the cart. So I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing, you know, I'm, you know, Giles. So I'm going to put you out in front of me to push my target. You saw how I shot today. So you're going to be the the one over here pushing my target around. Are you going to be all right with that? I mean, is that going to work? I don't think so after today. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't uh, see you today, and uh, I, there's no way I would do that. No, because it was kind of hit and miss. Well, you know, I, I kind of picture that, like, you know, if you're at a driving range and you see the guy come out on the uh, the little cart and start cleaning up, how everybody starts aiming the balls exactly. at them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you would be the target at yep. that point. Uh, the game has changed. Well, so, a couple more top shooters. Uh, Thel Reed, and interestingly, most of you will have seen the current uh, lawsuits and arrests and so on of Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah. We, we mention it often. Yes. Thel Reed's daughter was the armorer on oh, that wow. movie. But Thel Reed is my age. He had an awful lot of publicity. He lived in L.A., and Guns and Ammo magazine was published in L.A., and they promoted him. But he was one of the all-time time great fast draw shooters who shot blanks, wax, and live ammunition. If you're familiar with Jeff Cooper and combat shooting, Thel was one of the original five combat masters and he did it with a single action revolver so they'll uh he was another one who we all admired because he was able to turn pro and uh 
I have a photograph of him doing a fast draw exhibition for the Prince of England. Uh, I believe it was at something like 20th Century Fox Studios. They had a little western town and a stunt show. But anyway, uh, he toured with Gene Autry doing a fast draw act, and then he became a professional gun coach for Hollywood. And uh, being one of the original combat masters, he was also a pro with the 45 Auto, and he was the gun coach and armorer on a movie that I can't think of the name of, but it starred Bruce Willis. It was a remake of For a Few Dollars More with Eastwood. Yeah, that the, one the, I know, but I didn't know there was a remake. Oh, the storyline was identical, except oh, wow. it was early 1900. Instead of riding into town on his mule, yeah. He drove in his Model A Ford. Okay. And instead of two single actions, he carried two 45 autos. Nice. And uh, Thel told me this himself. They had a huge shootout in the end, and uh, they drapped. Bruce Willis had gone home. The editor or the director started editing, and he wasn't happy with the final shootout. So they brought Thel back in. And they did close-ups only where you never saw anything but arms, hands, and guns. And he reshot the whole uh, final climax. Oh, wow. But so uh, going along with Threll, another uh, top gun who was a, was a very close friend of mine was a guy named Claude Gosney. And Claude is famous because... Thel Reed put on, he hosted the first annual Thel Reed Live Ammunition World Championship Leather Slap. They called the Fast Draw Contest the Leather Slap. Right. It was held at a uh, movie ranch in the Phoenix area, and it was just assumed Thel would win. Although he hosted it, he also shot in it. And their live ammo fast draw shoots had a little different format. They, uh, it was a two-day shoot. The first day was shot index. Everyone went up and they got X number of draws. Now, this was to, this kind of mind-boggling to me because these guys were shooting a nine-inch disc at seven yards. Wow. Live ammo. And they were... It was shoot till you hit, but uh, Bell Reed had the fastest single shot was was somewhere in the fours. Uh, but anyway, so they shoot index. Then the second day, they had a top sixteen elimination bracket, and the sixteen was because Jeff Cooper's wife, whose name was Janelle, had invented this J-ladder elimination that only worked with 16. But anyway, so the top 16 shot it off. Came down to Thel and my friend Claude shooting for first place. And it was not three out of five. It was five out of nine. And Claude won it and he beat Fell five straight. Wow. And now one of the interesting things to me was Claude was unknown in the live ammo shooters. And they didn't take him serious because this was just one of those local blank poppers. And uh, so Claude told me himself that once it got down to where he was, they realized that he was a threat to possibly win they started playing mind games with him. So it's down to only he and Thel Reed left, and someone said, accused him of shooting light loads, and they were on the line, he and Thel. And he turned to Thel, and he said, well, hell, Thel, 
if you guys are afraid of my ammo, I'll just shoot yours. <laughs> and nice. He, and he loaded his gun out of Thel's ammo <laughs> and then proceeded to beat Thel. <laughs> absolutely. That's and that's pretty definitive at absolutely. that point, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Still goes on today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guarantee it does. Now, I will say, Thel's a good friend, so I don't want to put him down. And he told me, and I'm sure this is true, he had a whole bunch of his Hollywood friends, stuntmen and so on, were there. And they weren't shooting, but they were there. And Saturday night, they all took him out and got him roaring drunk. Yeah. So he said, uh, I definitely wasn't on my game Sunday. <laughs> and I think that's probably true. But the bottom line is, Claude beating five out of five. <laughs> yeah. And that's a tactic still used today, too, by the way. <laughs> I can I can guarantee you. So... <laughs> Uh, we won't it's mention a, any names on that. Well, one. it's an effective one, I'll just say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give any any other you know greatest. So from that era up, tell us tell us some, in your opinion some of the greatest names that you've seen in in later years. Well, uh, there was a man named Ronnie Phillips. Ronnie passed away before Cowboy Fast Draw, but he would have absolutely loved it. Tragically, Ronnie was very competitive in everything. And he was in an off-road motorcycle race and hit a gate that was closed that was supposed to be open and had major head injuries. And while he survived it physically, he was never the same again. So, But while he was healthy, he was probably one of the very best all around fast draw. It doesn't matter if you want to shoot blanks, wax, thumb, twist, whatever you want to do, Ronnie could do it. Do it, but do it as good as anybody. Yeah. But another one is our very own Quick Cal. Yeah. Quick Cal won his first world championship in fast draw when he was still a teenager, I think. Uh, that's what, uh, 18, I think I'd heard. We, we talked to him a few weeks ago, but we didn't get I don't remember him telling us that age but yeah I, I had heard that story yes and uh cal shot fast draw extremely well then he he quit fast draw he was an ipsy grandmaster shot well enough that he was full-time sponsored uh then he got tired of that and he came back to fast draw and he came back to the World Fast Draw Association, and he was chairman for several years. And uh, as you know, then he got into Cowboy Fast Draw. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything Cal does, but Cal's the best thing that ever happened to the sport of Fast Draw. He's brought us to a level no one else has ever came close to, and... I think we will just continue to get bigger and better under his guidance. And yeah, and I, I agree with that. And that kind of leads me into another question. You know, tell us what do you hope to see? You know, you, you've, you've been here from, from near the beginning, if not the beginning, and you've seen, you've seen it all grow. You've seen it change through every phase of it. You've been a part of it. From, from here going forward, in the world today and with the people that you, we have today, the, the organizations that we have today, what do, you, what do you hope to see in the culture of Fast Draw? Well, I'm, to be truthful, I'm not sure. In Cowboy Fast Draw alone, in 20 years, we've gone from Ron Martinez, who I'm sure you've heard of but mm -hmm. never knew, Ron, about the second or third year of Cowboy Fast Draw, Ron won 100% of the major shoots in the sport that year. However, that was only four shoots. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen the sport go from, well, hey, it's easy. I can shoot every contest they have this year because they're only going to have four. Sure. To today where... I have to pick and choose what I'm going to go to because there are so many shoots. Now, I don't mean that derogatorily. There can never be too many shoots. But we've made such a fantastic 
advanced so much progress in the last 20 years, I don't know that there's anything I would change. Uh, I, I do find that some of the other splinter groups, I like their format. Sure. I like the no X out. But I also realize that no X out is limited by the number of entries. Right. It's impossible to pull in 250 shooters and hold a no X out shoot unless you want to shoot for 10 days. Exactly. So, but I do like it. I will say that I don't like the blocker target. Now, that's my own personal bias because of the World Fast Draw Association. Ted Blocker, who designed the blocker target, is a good friend of mine. I agree with his target for what he did. He wanted to put on a major shoot shooting blanks in, I want to say, Reno, Nevada, but that might not be correct, but it was in, in Nevada. And the city said no because of the noise. Black powder blanks, breaking balloons are extremely noisy. Sure. So he designed the blocker target, which is 20 by 40 inches. It's like shooting at a sumo wrestler. <laughs> right. <laughs> is it the largest target in fast draw? Yes. Okay. But he designed it to shoot at a distance of 10 feet with wax to simulate shooting blanks. Now, if you've never shot a black powder blank, you probably don't realize it has a pattern about two and a half to three feet in diameter at eight feet. Only one grain of powder will break that balloon. So you don't have to shoot directly at the balloon. The object is to, but you can miss it by a bunch or so break the balloon. Sure. That's why the blocker target is so big. Ideally, you'd put every shot in the center of that light, but you can miss that light by two or three feet and still hit the target. Right. That's the same as if you were shooting a blank. You can miss that balloon by a bunch and still break it. I think that was valid. What happened was it killed the World Fast Draw Association. Now, one of the differences between Cowboy Fast Draw and World Fast Draw is that Cowboy Fast Draw is ran as a business and the rules are put in place by the owner, who is Cal Elric, and that's it. Sure. The World Fast Draw Association, once a year, the members can submit rule changes, and then the members vote on rules. So the members love the blocker targets. You can't miss it. Right. Now, they had events with wax where you shoot at the standard 14-inch wide silhouette at 8 feet. All of a sudden, they voted to make that legal to the blocker target. Today, they shoot index events at 5 feet, 8 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, and 15 feet at the blocker target. It's a joke to me. Right. The reason they don't get shooters is because it doesn't matter how good I shoot my thumbing. At five feet, I can't compete against the guy that's twisting 22s and 23s and is going to hit every shot. Right. That destroyed the sport of world fast draw. So I have this bias against the blocker target. But I do like, as I said, these splinter groups. I really like their format they shoot with the no X out. But again, it's very dependent upon the number of shooters you have. So let me let me throw this at you then, just as a random thought. So in in Cowboy Fast Draw, when it, when Cowboy Fast Draw began, it was it was on twenty four inch targets at at twenty one feet. And in the last I, I, what sixteen or seventeen, we went to the uh, to the seventeen inch targets at fifteen feet. Did you have a preference between? 
the 24s at, at 21 or versus 15 at, at 17? Or is it either or for you? At this point, it's pretty much either or. However, I think the 21-foot has a very derogatory uh, mental effect on shooters. Right. Uh, I like 15 feet. That's because I was the best 15-foot standing wax shooter in the sport. In well, the there you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but ironically, now, I did well at 21 feet. You know, last year at the Nationals, I took out of 163 men, I took sixth place, and it was 21 feet. Yeah. Uh, but I think psychologically, I had an advantage when we first started shooting 15 feet because my subconscious said, hey, Bob, we're back at 15 feet. This is your game. Right. Unfortunately, with advancing age... <laughs> That edge seems to have gone away. They didn't move up quick enough for you there, I guess. So, well, good deal. Anything else you'd like to just throw at us? Talk about anything. You guys have any, Giles and Cody, anything you want to ask? Hey, I will say just real quick, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going back about 10 minutes here, but Last Man Standing, I believe, is the name of that Bruce Willis movie. I looked it up. I believe you're right. 1996 it came out. Bruce Willis, Bruce Dern. Uh, Christopher Walken. You had me at Bruce Dern, quite frankly. Uh, Christopher Walken. Well, yeah, I love I mean, Christopher. Bruce Dern and Christopher Walken together. How have I not seen in this? a western? Right. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. 1996. If if I'm not mistaken, no, I, I'm I, I did I'm some sure quick you're googling. Correct so about the name <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. So in case anybody wants out. to, in case anybody wants to, yeah. to to check it out, I just I thought I'd throw that out there. There's Speaking been, of Bruce Dern, my Hollywood hero. Uh, I love the bad guy, the nastiest human being on earth, and I I hope someday I get to shake his hand. <laughs> Uh, cause I love it. The man I, that killed John Wayne. Absolutely. Right. I shot him five times and let him <laughs> bleed out. I loved it. Uh, it was great. Who is your Hollywood hero? If you had to pick one, who is your Hollywood hero? Probably Audie Murphy. Okay. Although I liked, I liked all the TV, all the Western movies, Randolph Scott. I liked oh, yeah. a great deal. And ironically, he was old before he started playing westerns, much older than he appeared. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Audie Murphy was always special. Very good. Jay Hawker, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us and sit in the, the, the maiden hall of greatness and, and, and talk to us and give us a wonderful history lesson. Uh, wisdom that will never be trumped in our sport. And I, I, a real quick story, uh, and I've told this story a hundred thousand times, and I and I love to tell it. So today is today is my eight year, and we shot the the bluegrass fast draw event, the outlaw shoot. Eight years ago was my first event. I walk in the building. I don't know squat, squat. I have bought a gun. I have bought a holster. I've bought some brass and some bullets and is wax. He, is he talking about today, or is he talking about eight years ago? Which I'm is talking it? about today. Oh. Uh, it turns out that it's the exact same as it was eight years well, ago. I, I walk assuming. in, I don't know what I'm talking. No, eight years ago, I walk in the building, don't know what I'm doing. Uh, some they they kind of usher me to the line and they put me in lane three, and they say, you know, when then that comes on, you shoot at it here, whatever. And I'm like, a, oh, okay, I'm just a kindergartner with a, you know, I, can I eat this popsicle yet? And they shuffle, uh, you know, they, this this gentleman over here walks over to lane four just like he'd done it every day for work and sets his stuff down. And I'm like, well, I'm really doing this, I guess, whatever. No idea who this man is, none. And believe it or not, he whipped me on the line in my first ever lineup. Turns out he whipped just about everybody else there that day too, so I didn't feel so bad. So my very first... Fast draw opponent ever. But there's a flip. There's a second half to that story. And I, t I like to tell this one too. So this was in February of 2015. And, and I hope you remember this. I hope you remember it the same way I do. And if I don't, I want you to call me a liar in front of everybody. But uh, so Strawberry Fest shoot in Kentucky, Beaver Dam, Kentucky. They, we, we did the outlaw shoot in February of 15. I didn't see Jayhawker again until May. He came back down for our strawberry fest shoot, which we used to do on a on a in an alley in Beaverdam, kind of right behind where the Bluegrass Fast Draw Club is now. And we did it between two buildings. 
one of which fell over after one of our contests, but that's a that's another story. True story, folks. Uh, first round, just like in February, very first round, they shuffle me over to lane three. Here comes Jay Hawker, throws you, his stuff down on table You still had no four. idea what you were still doing. Still had no yeah. idea. First shot out of the gate, I hit my very first 399 in a competition. And you beat me. And I beat him. <laughs> I hit that 399, and he just kind of shook his head. And I thought, yes, look what, what, yes, look at this, I did it. And then I beat him, and then I don't think I've beat him since. But, damn it, I did it once, and that's all that mattered. So, I sir, think... I think your memory might be a little wrong there on how often you've beaten me. Well, but, I, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut kind of thing. Uh, but. I have to tell you, I respect your shooting a great deal. Your three one two today looked fantastic. Well, I I appreciate it. and coming from you, sir, that's that's a heck of a compliment. That's Henry Ford complimenting me on my car right there. So I appreciate that a great deal. Jay Hawker, thank you for your time. Giles, thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you. It's been fun. Absolutely. Uh, folks, tune in next time. We appreciate having you. We'll see you then.